You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. It is indeed on this Thursday. Welcome to the program. It's Lars and Matt. Noah Haynes is at the controls. Yes, we are another day closer to Alabama, Michigan, and the Bulls being played for the national championship. And we have talked about it, Lars, on and on and on and on and on. And that's fine. I like talking about it. I'm about done talking about it, though, because I really want the game to be played. We have uh, discussed every inch of the football field as far as this contest is concerned. So, without your permission, I'm going to start the show with a, a bit of a curveball. I don't know if you've seen this story or not, but it involves the Green Bay Packers cornerback, Jair Alexanderson. Alexander, have you seen this story? Do you see I what have he not did? seen it. No, All I haven't right. seen it. Just listen. I'm going to describe this to you in as best detail as I can because this is just about this ranks up there top ten in my life of bizarre things that happen in a football game. He was not a named captain to go out for the coin toss. Okay, he was not. The captains are Aaron Jones, Eric Wilson, and Quay Walker. And I believe Quay Walker played at Auburn. But that is a mere footnote here. They were playing Carolina in Green Bay. Heavily favored. They did eke out a 33-30 to 30 win. The Packers did. Alexander, who is from Carolina, actually they were in Carolina. My bad. And that's why, since he was from Carolina... Uh, was from uh, North Carolina, then he ended up playing at Louisville. But because he was from the area, he thought, hey, I need to be a captain too. Are you with me, Lars? I mean, now, right now, it's just getting more, it's getting bizarre in your world. Okay. Yeah, actually, I, I am aware of the story, and it even gets way more bizarre. It is, it's crazy. He goes out there with the other three named captains and, and is standing there, and he calls tossed the toss and the Packers won the toss well this guy obviously not really familiar with what you do obviously he was not a named captain um he won the toss and elected to play defense which theoretically would have meant the Packers did not receive a kick first half or second half fortunately and by the way this is pretty cool because LaFleur knows his stuff, head coach for the Packers. He said that because they had a mix-up a few years ago, he goes over what he wants to do with the officials before the game, so it's really going through the motions. So the officials stopped and just allowed things to correct themselves. And fortunately, the Packers did either receive the kick in the first or the second half. But unbeknownst to most people, he just ran out there and called called the coin. I've never – that's just crazy. Yeah, there's a I, – I, I think the worry here is for this young man. I mean, are there some larger issues at play? And uh, because his explanation afterward was just bizarre – all over the place and you just you know i think you got to pause here and just see if, if everything's okay i mean it's, it's really not funny he defended um, his actions and 
And and to me, you know, I'm a I'm a big chess player. I love chess. And when you're playing chess and you make a move, if you want to consider that move for a second, you keep your hand on the chess piece. And once you take your hand off the chess piece, that's that move is done. That move is played. Well, I think this is kind of like chess. When a player out there representing his team decides to go on defense, and that's what he says, bam, there's no going back, <laughs> no do-overs, because it's, it's the equivalent of taking your hand off the chess piece. I agree. And so, uh, and, and so I don't agree with what the officials did. Uh, and I, I, I mean, you know, it would have been unfortunate for Green Bay, but you know what? There's consequences for the actions of your players. And guess so, what they did uh, to Alexander. Yeah, the they Packers suspended him. Suspended yeah. him for a game. But yeah. uh, maybe there are d- deeper issues, and I honestly didn't think. I, I don't that, know. So I, I'm just saying. I, like, I don't. I, I've seen. I've seen people talking on Twitter about this, uh, just about uh, about uh, expressing concern for the young man and his sort of mental state. It's uh, a really because, dumb thing to do. Yeah, yeah, really uh, poor uh, decisions there, and he and frankly, he did not show remorse at all. Nope. <laughs> From what I saw in the locker room at, when he was asked about it, um, but it, it's just uh, one of the more bizarre incidents I've ever heard of. Well, I hate to say this, especially after you brought up the fact that maybe he's just off kilter. But I never thought of that until you brought it up because here's what I thought. What an egomaniac. What a narcissist. He just thinks he can do anything he wants to and then defend it afterwards. You know, he's a first round pick in the uh, 18th selection first round out of Louisville. The guy can play. Oh, he's a player. Oh, yeah. But now, come on. Where is your, you know, where's your team? Where's your unity? Where's it? it, Just to to me, Lars, it's spelled me, 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 me all over the place. And especially the way he reacted. And he's, I mean, he said, you know, hey, my teammates know I'm from the area uh, and they didn't have a problem with it or or something to that effect. That's exactly Um, what he said. And so... But, you know, LeFleur did the right thing. You know, the more I, I get a chance to sort of examine LeFleur and and just see what he's done as a coach, the more I like him. And you're, you, you, you're, the, you're the Green Bay guy between the yep. two of us. What, what do you think and what do you think most fans of the Packers think about him? You know, I, I think they're disappointed uh, a little bit. But Packer fans are kind of like St. Louis Cardinals baseball fans. They're very smart, and they think things through. So before they start, you know, throwing things at the locker room, they understand Jordan Love is a work in progress. And let me tell you, when that work progresses, he's as, he's about as good as they get. But he's just not consistent. Yeah, I mean, and he doesn't you... have quite he doesn't have quite the array. Of the people that he had around, Aaron Rodgers had around. So he's the guy. Packer fans are going to be very, very patient. And we'll be in the Super Bowl two years. Yeah, I mean, what I love about what Green Bay is doing 
is you got Jordan Love, who I think has showed enough to warrant that huge second contract, right? Lock him, lock him down for eight, seven more years. And I think he is going to get paid in the offseason. Now he won't be, you know, in the, the Joe Burrow, uh, the Patrick Mahomes range, but he'll be just a tier below that. And also, so you, you, you have your quarterback and I, I think we can pretty much say that definitively. Don't you believe Matt that, yes, that Jordan Love is the guy? Uh, and, uh, I would say for the year, he probably gets a, a B, right? I mean, you know, but he, he, like you said, he's still working progress, but the wide receivers they have, they're so young. And they're growing together. I love uh, the Watson kid. He is a player, okay. and uh, and and just the uh, their whole skill group. They're they're young. They can grow together. Relatively inexpensive uh, because they are young, and that will allow the Packers to allocate resources uh, to other areas for the next two three years. And I think they do have a chance to make a run, maybe not next year, but the year after, uh, to, uh, to really do something special. Um, because in the NFL, if you got a quarterback, you have a chance in every single game. I mean, it's, it's amazing to me how that one position in the NFL is so much more important than any other one position in any other any professional other sport. American sport. I, I agree. I mean, maybe a goalie. Because when a goalie's hot, you're going to win a lot of games. But Yeah, that's true. I'm in not, I'm not yeah. really sure that they really match up, but that's just one I can throw out there. But anyway. Hey, we got well, a show I'm, lined up for you. Hey, on the other side, I have the greatest Jim Harbaugh story in the history of Jim Harbaugh stories. Well, we're just not even going to take a commercial break. That's too good a tease. Just tell it now. Just kidding. Uh, Roger Schultz, former Alabama offensive lineman, a center for four years, a starter, is going to join us at the bottom of the hour. And we've got some more kicks and giggles for you on Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sensing, Union Home Mortgage. Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build Build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lee at thebamabroker.com. That's lee at thebamabroker.com. From our home base. 
100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. Clouds will be increasing this afternoon across here. A few light rain showers may show up by late afternoon, especially over northwestern sections. They may mix in with some snow showers overnight. 48 today, time high. 31 tonight, no significant accumulation expected. Mostly cloudy, a few light rain or snow showers for your Friday. Daytime high of 47. Again, no accumulation expected. I'm meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 47 degrees in Tuscaloosa. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Did Was I listening closely? Did he just say the S word? Okay, let's not let's not all go crazy, particularly on Big Noon Sports. Hey, it's Matt and Lars, and Noah is with us, and this is Big Noon Sports, brought to you in part by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker. What's up with Harbaugh? Okay, so uh, several years ago, I wrote uh, about a five thousand word piece on Harbaugh for Bleacher Report. And, uh, you know, I tried to interview as many people as possible and, uh, for the story, just like I always do. And, uh, one of the people I talked to was Frank Beamer. Uh, and, uh, I got to know Frank through Bruce Arians because they both live in Reynolds Plantation, Georgia in the off season. So, uh, I was playing golf with, with, with Frank and, and, uh, and Arians. Uh, BA. And then afterward, we went to the clubhouse and, you know, we're just hanging out. And, uh, I started talking to both of them about Harbaugh and this story that I was working on because at the time I was also working on the book with, with BA. And Beamer, <laughs> Beamer, uh, well, well, first off, everyone, almost everyone who's orbited in Harbaugh's solar system for a length of time, possesses just a whopper of an anecdote about Jim Harbaugh because he does some of the craziest strangest things and uh, and, and they did make they just make no sense so uh, Beamer uh, and at the time he was still the head coach at Virginia Tech so he, he said you know what Lars this might be the weirdest damn story of my entire coaching career so, uh, then Beamer gets his big smile on his face, le- leans back in his chair on this, uh, on this porch on a beautiful summer afternoon. And, uh, he's, he said, uh, okay, this is from 2010. And, uh, and in Virginia Tech, where Beamer coached for about 30 years or so, they were preparing to play Stanford in the Orange Bowl. And then a few days before the game, Beamer met Harbaugh at an event uh, at a restaurant in Miami. And so they take some pictures and then uh, the two of them uh, sit down at a table and then they just they just talk. OK. And Harbaugh over and over and over said how much respect he has for Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech, not Virginia Tech. Georgia Tech and <laughs> Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech. And Beamer is just looking at him like, are you serious? And and then, and then Frank, as he's recalling, he said, finally, you know, I, I'm joking with them. And I say, I, I, I can't I can't wait to tell my team that you called us Georgia Tech because, Jim, you, you know, we're Virginia Tech. 
we're not Georgia Tech. And at at that moment, Harbaugh threw his uh, infamous shark expression at Beamer, right? Mouth open, eyes on fire, looking poised to chomp. (laughs) And, uh, and, And people around Harbaugh have seen this look for years and you see it on the sidelines and sometimes he'll hold it for like 30 seconds without speaking <laughs> causing everyone <laughs> around him to wonder causing everyone to wonder what is going through his mind or is anything going through his mind <laughs> and so beamer you know at this point he's, he's pretty fired up and it's hard to get frank beamer fired up no, and he just continued he just continued to lock eyes with harbaugh for a few moments like just waiting him for say to say something to say anything Beamer told me it was probably the most uncomfortable silence of his life. And finally, after 30, 45 seconds, Harbaugh says, Well, I can't wait to tell my players that you said you were going to play Samford, not Stanford. And then Harbaugh turned and walked away. <laughs> and, and Beamer's like, What just happened here? And, and so uh, the uh, uh, then then Frank told me, you know what, Jim Harbaugh is either category five crazy or he's crazy like a damn fox. I don't know which one. <laughs> well, I guess we know what he was thinking in that thirty to forty seconds, and that's okay. Schools, the sound of life. Schools, you could get mixed. Up. Okay, let's go. All right. Uh, oh, I should have put that Stanford. in the story. Stanford. I should have acted Stanford. like I was in Harbaugh's yeah. brain. Oh, I wish I would have talked. And bouncing to that. around in your brain. Yeah. yeah. What? What oh. possibly are? Yeah. Yeah. I could have like written possible thoughts that were rattling through his head for those forty-five seconds. <laughs> God, that's just that's scary, bizarre. It's just weird. It's yeah. just weird. And this conversation that preceded when Harbaugh was referring to Virginia Tech as Georgia Tech, it wasn't just like once. He kept doing it. How many did he say? Did Beamer say? He did it like every sentence? or Yeah, like like five to eight times. He okay, called so him, it was, called him Georgia Tech. Evident. It's very and Frank Beamer's out. He's got, a, he's got like a, a Virginia Tech jacket on. Or a, a, a Virginia Tech gear on, I should say. They're not in suits. They're they're wearing, you know, they're they're, yeah, they're, they're got normal golf attire. shirts on. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of VT on the, you know, right there on the shirt where the logo goes. <laughs> you know, he also strikes me as the type of person, and you've been around people like this. I've been around them, and. The type of person that sits there and looks at you while you're talking, but you can tell they're not hearing a word you're saying. Yeah. You know? And you will sit <laughs> and, there and be talking with them, and then you'll look into their eyes, and you think, what's going on in this person's head? And then so, you'll stop talking, and they'll bring up a subject that's not even related. I, I, to me, got, that's the way Harbaugh is. I, I've got so many stories of Harbaugh. Uh, I also talked to uh, the CEO of the San Francisco 49ers at the time, Jed York. And he said he would get to his office like 7 in the morning. And Jim Harbaugh, uh, who was then the coach of the 49ers, he'd be standing at his door. And he said, Jim 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 would look at him and say, I have an issue and it has to be resolved right now, right now, right now, this very second, right now. We have to talk about it right now. And, wow. and, he, and he said, and York, York told me that this illustrates the rub of Jim Harbaugh. 
Like his, his full blast turn up to 10 intensity is what makes him successful. But it also, uh, his, his friends would tell me and, and York, it's just, it, it's, it, he's not willing to find common ground with others. And that is ultimately caused his unraveling at San Francisco, at Stanford. And the thing is, like, he, he just wears you out. He absolutely just wears you out. And, uh, and Balky, uh, uh, sorry, Trent Balky, who's the GM, he finally, uh, what he, what he told me was, I just couldn't deal with Jim anymore. Wow. This is the direct quote. I couldn't deal with Jim anymore. The guy is a nut. Every day he's bitching at me about something new. It's this, it's that. He's wearing all of us out. He's grinding us down. And Michigan yet wants to keep him. Wants to and, keep and, him so and, bad but, they've offered him a huge contract. Yeah. Mm. All right. Um, anyway. I'll tell you my favorite Harbaugh. When I really, I realized he was a little, not a little, he was way off. I'll tell you that on the other side of this break. And we'll be joined by Roger Schultz. You're listening to Big Man, Big Man, Big Man Sports with Big Man Lars and Matt. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. The ultimate. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. It is Matt Coulter along with Lars Anderson. Our producer today is the one and only Noah Haynes. Got several plates spinning right now. Roger Schultz is on hold, and Roger, I want you to stay on hold and listen to this soundbite. Just took place minutes ago, and thanks to Ryan Fowler, who is out there on behalf of Tide 100.9 and 1230 WTBC. But he's at this news conference, and he just put this soundbite up on Twitter and it's Jalen Milrow talking about Bill O'Brien. What was your reaction to Bill O'Brien telling you that you shouldn't play quarterback? Do you remember how you felt when you said that? How do you feel about something you said? I didn't like it. That's the same thing. You know what I'm saying? The biggest thing for me, be true to myself, and stay the same. Nothing changes about me. The only thing that changed me about me is I had the opportunity and I see it.
response to questions about when Bill Monroe, excuse me, I'm getting them confused. There you go, Matt. Get it together. When Bill O'Brien told Jalen Milroe that he was not good enough to play quarterback and he wanted to put him at a different position. Um, I guess in somewhat really small way, I, I could see that maybe a year or two ago. But do you really tell a guy that? I don't know. Let's bring on Roger Schultz, and he'll sift through it as well. Roger, are you in Spanish sport, fort or are you in Pasadena? <laughs> Well, no, I am in Spanish Fort. Uh, I'm at the uh, airport now, waiting to take my private jet over to Pasadena to go to the game. Okay. So, yeah. Right. No, I'm actually at the Beef O'Brady's, just so you know. Oh, that's a pretty good place to eat. There's a couple here yeah. in Birmingham. Yeah. Uh, so. Anyway, uh, do you have a Harbaugh story? Because that's what we've been telling the majority of the show. No, I, I don't think I have a Harbaugh story. Um let me think. Give me your opinion no, I do not. Well, first of all, I like the guy. I think he's a winner. He's won everywhere he's gone. He's a little kooky. Um, I kind of like kooky. So, uh, I mean, I like Jim Harbaugh. I mean, he wins. He does it the right way. Uh, maybe does it the wrong way. Then does it the right way. I don't know. I mean, maybe he stretches the rules a little bit. Uh, I mean, all that spy gate bit. stuff, but it's nothing. <laughs> ah, look, I, I don't really... I don't think that's that big a deal, to be honest with you. I think it's a rogue guy. I think that guy was trying to get ahead. All the coaches kind of do all that stuff. They just never get caught. So I'm not too – I don't know. I didn't get too worked up over it. But, um, I mean, you know, it's so it's so funny because, you know, I work with uh, I work with the Camellia Bowl. And on Friday, you know, the teams come out to the Camellia uh, – Crampton Bowl to, to, to practice. And I was there and I was in the press box and this guy's walking through. And I said, what are you doing? He goes, I'm looking for spies. I go – it's it's Arkansas State and Northern Illinois. I don't know if there's <laughs> But I walked with him the whole time. He went through everything to see if there's anybody watching for filming for the game. I said, you got to be kidding me. I said, mm. but that's just the way it is. But I can remember that when we were in Tuscaloosa when we got ready to play Miami. Everybody was checking the air vent to see if somebody was hiding behind a big air conditioning vent with a camera. <laughs> so, uh, but it happens. Did uh, did sign stealing happen, or did or, or I guess you guys didn't even use signs back then? You'd run no, uh, no, no, run no. One hundred percent sign stealing. Look, that was my job. So you know they got rid of like scout. You know, you remember they don't send scouts to the games anymore. They used to send they used to send scouts to the like a school could send a scout to the game to scout the team. And uh, that was my job as a GA at Alabama. I went to have, I had to scout. I scouted. Uh, LSU and Vanderbilt one year, and then I scouted uh, SMU and Tulane. Uh, those were the two two games that I had in 1991 to go scout. And, look, they didn't tell me anything what to do this to go scout the game. I'm like, well, what do I do? And then so I come back, and Stalin's is like, what's their cadence? And I go, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, how's their cadence? Is it set hut, hut, or is it blue, green, blue, green, hut? Red 22 hut. I said, Coach, I have no idea. I was in the press box. He goes, you didn't go on the field before the game? I go, no, was I supposed to? You know, I mean, I'm like, I totally didn't have a, I didn't have a clue. And so the next day, I, I, so the next game I went down on the field, but I still couldn't really pick nothing up. I mean, I couldn't really pick it. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just, you know, so I wasn't, but I can tell you this, when we were scout, I was scouting, Shoot, I scouted Memphis, too, because 
So there was a guy, there was a coach from Louisville that was scouting Memphis, and uh, he picked up, no, Louisville was playing Memphis. I forget who he was, but he picked up all of Louisville's signals. And so the second half, I was sitting next to him, and he called every single, every single play for Louisville he called in the second half. I go, oh, my God, is that easy? I said, but the one thing I did pick up is, we played Memphis, and they were ready to run a fake, a fake punt, and they were warming up the, you know, the second string four. I said, "Coach, you're about to run a fake punt." Well, Coach, I'm in the press box, and nobody listened to me. They run the fake punt, but Sam Shea made an <laughs> outstanding play. Or it might have been Lamantia, one of the two, made an outstanding play, kind of saved us. And I can remember Stallings yelling up at the ball, "Hey, man, you guys got to say it." They go, "Well, Schultz is." The other GA goes, "Well, Schultz kept trying to tell you." And he goes, "Hey, man, you got to do a better job of getting our attention." You know, because I was yelling at them, going, yeah. hey, it's a fake. You know, but obviously I didn't say it with enough. I didn't get their attention. So I got yelled at for that, even though I called Well, them, so. maybe some of it had to do with a trust issue based on what you did with LSU. <laughs> didn't know the yeah. cadence. Uh, are we going to believe this? Yeah, guy? there's an idiot up there. Yeah, there's a, well, there's an idiot upstairs. That's what I said. I got to don't listen to him. But. Hey, I, that brings but, a question to mind. You you had your taste of being a coach and a GA, but you got out of it. Was it just not your bag? Uh, no, I'll tell you why I got out of it because there were also all the coaches are like, Schultz, you don't need to be in coaching. They were, they talked, I mean, all of them were discouraged me from going into coaching. Even though Stallings, that's the one reason I was a GA because Stallings saw something to me and said, hey, man, I think you'd be a good coach. Why don't you, I need you to be a GA. And I was like, well, coach, I really just want to get my master's degree and, you know, just go on in the real world and start a family and all that crap. But I didn't even, I mean, I didn't really have a girlfriend, so I don't know what I was thinking. But nevertheless, um, I, uh, so that's why, but I want to get my master's degree. You know, I want to be one of those football players that ended up with, you know, had two degrees and kind of separate myself from the rest of the guys and prove that we weren't dumb athletes, but, but, you know, guys are getting out of school, getting in medical sales, making $100,000. You know, the offensive line coach was making $55,000. And, you know, had to recruit high school kids and had to do all that stuff. Didn't have much of a family life. But, so I just kind of heeded their advice and got out of it, you know. And then Dabo took my spot as a GA. Worked out pretty good for him. So. <laughs> wow, that's a good – I did not know that Dabo took your spot as a GA. Uh yeah. Sure uh, yeah, I, I wish I had known that. I, I wrote wow, a book. Wow, you're on, the Wally Pip of GA. I wrote, I wrote a book on Dabo, and uh, yeah, you'd have been a good source, Roger. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, let's uh, let's look ahead here to Michigan, Alabama, and the Rose Bowl. Um, when you analyze Michigan's offensive line. What do you see? Because uh, it seems pretty clear that this is the strength of their team, and they are going to try to outmuscle Alabama at the point of attack. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Congratulations for uh, pushing over a bunch of sorry. I mean, literally playing nobody, playing no defensive line at all. Uh, I think they're good. I think they're well coached. Obviously, they play well. Of course, they've got the one guy, Zentner or whatever, that was all American. It was hurt. I, I don't know if he's going to be back to play or not. You may have heard. I don't know, but. I know he's been banged up, but yeah, congratulations. You haven't really played anybody. So, uh, you know, I, I think that they're good, but you know, they just, I mean, I think I was, I saw a stat somewhere where, you know, Michigan basically, they, the first top defense, the two, there's only like four top 
50 defenses they faced in the last four teams they played, they only got average about 250 yards in all those games. So you kind of got to look. Alabama's pretty good on defense. Got some pretty good defensive linemen. So I think Alabama will be able to. I just think that when Saban has time with a pocket quarterback, he just dials it in, right? And I just think that I think. I mean, I think Alabama's going to dominate this game. I really do. I think they've been tested. I think they've had to play from behind. They've had to fight for their life in every single game. It hasn't been pretty. Obviously, we've got to have a little bit of luck on our side. But but they've kind of battled through it. So I don't think they'll flinch. Michigan may flinch. I mean, Michigan may. What happens if they get behind by 10 points? You know, I, I don't even know if they've been they're behind all year. Yeah, Michigan's yeah. In, they're in trouble if they get behind and they, uh, Alabama forces the Michigan offense, don't you agree, to, to be one-dimensional and be uh, pass first? Yeah, well, that, and that's, and I think, and obviously I think that's going to be Saban's game plan with pocket pass quarterback. Hey, look, we're going to stop. What does Michigan like to do? They like to put it, they like to maul people, right? They're going to dominate you. They're going to run the football. Alabama takes that away, and you got to rely on J.J. McCarthy to make some plays. And um, I don't know how good their receivers are, but uh, and then you talk about I'll take our chances with our two All American, our two first round draft pick cornerbacks. And oh, by the way, the guy that comes in to replaces those guys is another guy's probably drafted in the draft, Amos. So I think we're pretty good at the cornerback position against those guys. I've been hearing that for three weeks, courtesy of my partner Lars yeah. Anderson. Hey, what? Roger, can you hold off on the beef O'Brady's long enough to do one more segment with us? Hey, man, I don't have any food in front of me yet, so you're good to go. Yeah, awesome. hey, yeah, Roger, just to wrap a bow on that, I, I, it's, it's my belief that this is just not a good matchup for Michigan because they're wide, they do not have an elite wide receiver. Uh, their tight end is okay, but, uh, well, we play Alabama's well, corners against their wide receivers is a huge Alabama advantage. Yeah. And by the way, we played against the best tight end in the country, and he didn't show up in the game. So I think we're okay covering their tight end. He was a little banged up, but Alabama yeah, did right. do a nice yeah. job on Bowers. There's no question. Every, um, everybody's banged up at the end of the year. That's good, too. Lars. Uh, Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, our guest is Roger Schultz. And when we get back, let's go bowling. So, some bowling tips from Roger himself. Roger C. Schultz on Big Noon Sports. Chicken. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Well, we'll be increasing this afternoon across here. A few light rain showers may show up by late afternoon, especially over northwestern sections. They may mix in with some snow showers overnight. 48 today, come high. 31 tonight, no significant accumulation expected. Mostly cloudy, a few light rain or snow showers for your Friday. Daytime high of 47. Again, no accumulation expected. I'm meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 48 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Our guest is Roger Schultz, former Alabama lineman center, started all four years the Crimson Tide, and he is uh, talking some Alabama-Michigan. I want to step back because you went to several bowls, didn't you? Go? Did you go to the Sun Bowl in '89? Yeah, I'm sure you did. Um, it was not the Sun Bowl in '89. It was the '88 Sun Bowl and the '86 Sun Bowl. So I went to two Sun Bowls. Okay. All right. It was kind of so kind of weird because yeah, we went. Um, 
a lot of guys were nervous when we went back in 88. There were a lot of uh, girls standing by a fence with little kids yelling, Daddy, we're nervous. So, the 86 trip was just a little too fun. Did you go to Juarez several times? Of course we <laughs> uh, My wife is eating with me. I'm not going to say a word. How is Paige? Give her my love. Merry Christmas. Matt Coulter says hello. He waved at you, <laughs> even though you can't see her. Um, That's all right. Roger, let's uh, go back to this matchup coming up. Uh, how do you think Alabama's offense is going to attack uh, Michigan defense? Michigan defense is ranked number one in the country in many categories, uh, including uh, yards per game, total yards per game. What, what do you think is the game plan uh, as devised by Tommy Reese? Yeah, well, well, thank God we don't play on paper, right? Or we wouldn't have a chance against Michigan. But luckily, Michigan just played against a bunch of Sorry, teams. So, um, I think that, I think obviously, you know, it's, it's, we're going to go as good as Milrow goes, right? I think the offensive line has, has come in. I think they've kind of figured out the offense for Milrow's. You know, Milrow's had a couple of really good games and then, you know, he kind of backtracked a little bit George game. I mean, kind of held the ball a little bit too long, kind of, you know, kind of reverted back to some of his old ways. I think if he'll just be decisive when he decides to run or when he escapes and make his throws, I think we're going to be all right. I think that, I think what's going to surprise Michigan is really just how, how I think everybody thinks our offensive line. It's been you know like oh Alabama. I mean I hear everybody talk about Alabama's offensive line how they're not any good or they haven't they've given up two hundred sacks and all that. Well, probably one hundred and seventy five of those sacks were to, to Milrow running into sacks. We're not throwing the ball. Nothing nothing to do with the offensive line. It might have been a running back also missing a linebacker, but. I think the offensive line, when they made the adjustment and put Robertson at right guard in place of Dalcourt, that really shirred up that line. And then Caden Proctor just got better and better and better. He was just a, I mean, people just forget he's a freshman. I mean, and he played in Iowa. He played high school football in Iowa. So I'm, I'm sure he didn't see a whole lot of speed rushers. Um, you know, it's not like you're playing Alabama, Mississippi, or Louisiana where, you know, you line up against a dude every week. But, um, but I think Alabama, I think, uh, Tommy Reese will have a good, a good plan for, for Alabama moving forward in that game. I mean, I would look, you know, you'd look to see to maybe, um, I mean, just use a running game. I think we're going to be okay. I don't know if Jace McClellan's going to be back, but I think we're okay at running back with or without him. Um, I think we're lined up pretty good there and the receivers have really answered the bell this year. And there's a lot of guys, you know, there's a lot of guys that they at his disposal. So I'm really looking forward to it. Roger, you mentioned Jalen Milrow. Uh, were you surprised uh, to learn in the clip that we played at the in the last segment at the beginning that Jalen Milrow, when he was uh, meeting with the media just about uh, 45 minutes ago, said that uh, former offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien asked uh, told Jalen that he should change positions. Is that surprise you? No, I don't think it's surprise. I mean, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, coaches ask kids to change positions all the time. I mean, that's nothing new, right? I mean, and if you, if, I mean, if he practiced like he played earlier in the year, you could probably see why he said that, you know? I mean, but they give it, but look, look, when I was playing in Alabama, they always recruited a center. They always tried to, they signed a Juco center to replace me. They signed a high school kid. It's like always, they always try to find somebody to, I mean, that's, that's just the nature of football, but. You gotta have them tough skin. You gotta use it to motivate you. Obviously, Jalen did that. And, um, you know, power to him. But, I mean, 
I could see where a coach would say they ask guys to move all the time. You know, they'll ask a running back to move to receiver. You know, ask a defensive back to go to running back or maybe a defensive back to go to linebacker. Or the worst, get a linebacker to have to go to the defensive line. I mean, it kind of they ask coaches ask players to move all the time. I don't think it's that rare. And if you you know, so I'm not I'm not so surprised by that. But I like how that that Jalen used it as motivation to get him better and prove him wrong and you know prove the naysayers wrong and that's that's a credit to him and his character roger when you were at alabama i think you ended up with a quarterback different quarterback every year uh did you play sutton dunn david smith gary hollingsworth uh i don't know if woodson was in the mix then yeah yeah my question yeah but my question is can you tell when you're snapping the ball to the quarterback the ones that really got it and, and and grasp it and are are confident and somebody that doesn't. Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. Players know. Players know. Players, you gotta you gotta be able and you gotta be able to trust the quarterback to know he's gonna make a play. I mean, I mean, I always thought Jeff Dunn was always a guy that could make a play. Uh, you knew Gary Hollingsworth was smart enough to execute the offense and do what was done. Uh, Danny Woodson, on the other hand, a little questionable because um, literally we put a play in called twelve which was a quarterback draw because he's number 12 and he threw a pass. So that, um, you know, it makes you a little nervous. Is it true he but, called uh, a play from the year before once? Yeah, that's what that yeah, 12 was a pass the year before. So it was a, yeah, that's right. And he just said 12 and I was like, heck, I didn't even do the, he knew the playbook from the year before. So I was impressed by that, but the, it was supposed to be just a draw to the quarterback. So it's called 12, but. Uh, but he also made some good plays happen, you know. But I mean, there's, and there'd be guys getting the game that'd be scared. I could never, well, Gary Hollingsworth, you know, first kind of, first guy in the Kentucky game when Jeff Dunn got hurt, man, he was, thought he was going hyperventilate. You know, he's like, his eyes were big. We're like, dude, just calm down. All the play, take it. You know, I said, and I said, Gary, let me, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to let the nose guard go. And I'm just going to knock the crap out of you so you could get, so you get a feel for the game. Are you okay with that? And he's like, no, man, don't do that, man. Okay. Just relax. <laughs> hey, Roger, a, another another number twelve who I have been uh, sort of looking into is, is Tom Brady, and uh, one of the centers he had uh, during his long career was Dan Copen, uh, and uh, and and Dan, from what I've gathered, what I've learned, could flatulate on demand. And so he yeah. would he would tell his uh, offensive lineman, "Hey, I'm going to get Brady," and during practice, and uh, and he did it one time, just absolutely, uh, you know, got got Tom yep. real good when he was his hands were under center, and the next play, Brady got retaliation on Dan uh, by hitting Dan in, in the sweet spot. And uh, everybody, everybody thought, you know, it just cracked everybody up. Uh, Any interaction like that with you and all the quarterbacks you played with? No, I would never, I would never do that. I would just, I I just would never do that. I thought about it, but I was like, no, I think West neighbors used to do it all the time, but I I never (laughs) did that. And I, and like, like I think Toby, so Toby Shields, when he played center after me, he used to sweat so much. They made him change pants. At halftime, because his oh yeah, right, and, and yeah, Brady is very specific about that. When Ryan Jensen was his center at Tampa, he made Ryan put uh, uh, baby powder 
back there because uh, he was because Ryan uh, was a profuse sweater, and so when yeah. Ryan would run down the field, there would be this white like vapor trail behind him, <laughs> <laughs> baby powder. Right. Yeah, you know I what? Can see it. Yeah, but Toby, you guys needed to be, you guys needed Lumi a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, but you did say I, I'm 100 percent sure that this was your quote concerning Gary Hollingsworth. Did you not say I'm his favorite butt? Yes, I did say that. No, what I said was <laughs> no, no. It, it, it all goes back to '87 when you know, like Zuga, like broke his elbow or whatever, and Robinette tore his ankle up in the Florida game, and I was. So they had tryouts to see who was going to be the center. And I said, they said, well, how did you get the position? I said, well, because my butt felt the best to all the quarterbacks. That's, that's kind of the, so that's kind of where that came from. And then I'm sure I later I said I had to, you know, I'm, I'm probably be sure I said that Gary preferred my butt to his girlfriend's. But, you know, I was just doing a little research. Last question. We'll let you go. Uh, on you. And you know what quote pops up more than any? Roger? Um, no. Uh, tell us Tennessee story real quick. No, about the property tax? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, we got ready to play Tennessee, you know, when we were. And it was just what happens is Lee Corso and then we're on game day talking about we were a high school team. And I guess that just kind of fired us up. And of course, we ended up winning the game and. And then I guess I was taking accounting class at the time because I can't believe I knew something about property tax. <laughs> and I just basically said, we ought to pay property tax on Neyland Stadium because we own it. So you could pretty much go by my quotes and you could tell what classes I was taking. So you tell when I was taking a history oh. class, I'd, you know, I'd quote Ben Franklin or something like that. So it's pretty, but yeah. Is that, is that the quote? Or is it, yeah. I got a master's degree in marketing. Marketing. So, that's it. Yeah. Right. I should have gotten, yeah, I should have just gotten the MBA. Uh, you've done quite well. I'm, yeah, I'm struggling with the marketing part of it. So, uh, you've done very well. Roger, it's always a blast. Thank you. Roll Tide. We'll talk again real soon in uh, All right. 2024. Lars, you keep, yeah, Lars, you keep talking to them centers. It'll make you a smart man. Oh, I know. I always, hey, whenever I've done uh, big pieces uh, for magazines or books, Offensive linemen are where I go first, and among the offensive linemen, I always want to go to the center. I'm, I'm telling there you, I mean, it's, it, it is guaranteed gold mine of information. <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys and have Roger, a uh, happy new year. You too. Thank you, Roger. And, and Roger is is proof because he's smart, he's humorous, um, and he and he knows the value in giving you, you know. About 15, 20 seconds worth of really, really good copy. Hey, we got to get to next hour. Did you tell me that Chris Walsh was going to be joining us? Chris Walsh, yeah, from uh, Bama Central uh, is going to be joining us at one fifteen to talk all things Alabama, Michigan. You're listening to Big Noon Sports brought to you by Haley Sansing Union Home Mortgage. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a Town Square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. 
Here's Nick Cope. Another quarterback change this week in the NFL. Vikings coach Kevin O'Connell said rookie Jaron Hall will replace Nick Mullins as Minnesota's starter. They've got the Packers coming up on Sunday night. Jaguars coach Doug Peterson said quarterback Trevor Lawrence is expected to be a limited participant in practice today with his injured shoulder. For Thursday night football tonight, the Browns can clinch a playoff spot with a win over the Jets. Cleveland receiver Amari Cooper is questionable to play with a heel injury. NFL media says Cooper is hopeful to play, but the team won't have a better sense of his availability until closer to kickoff. We do know the Browns will be on a backup punter and kicker. Cleveland elevated Matt Honk to punt and Riley Patterson to place kick for the game. And college football bowl games underway from Fenway Park in Boston. Boston College currently leads SMU 24-14 in the fourth quarter. Down to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Hey, we've had our Gatorade halftime. They're a sponsor now. Gatorade. There's a good topic if we wanted to drift back to the mid-60s, but we're not going to. Um, Always been a fan, though, to be very honest with you. So, I don't know, that just kind of walked in from left field, Yankee Stadium, which is where Rutgers and Miami are going to be. They're already there, but they kick off in about 10 minutes. Rutgers and Miami at the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl. Everybody say that with me. Just kidding. Uh, yeah, they, they they were bad boys before the game. There was almost a big fight at uh, midfield. Nobody was in uniform and uh, looked like they were ready to have a old fashioned brawl. But um, some there's been some really interesting bowl games. Uh, last night we had Oklahoma State taking on Texas A and M, and it was sloppy. a pretty good game. Yeah, Oklahoma State wins 31-23, kind of putting Texas A&M's season uh, out of its misery. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, 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 things have not gone as, as planned in College Station with Jimbo Fisher getting fired, um, a, a, a small exodus of players into the transfer portal, and, um, and you know, their, their quarterback, Jalen Henderson, uh, sorry about the background chatter. My kids are it's just uh, children at Christmas. Yeah, yeah, I like yeah. it. <laughs> uh, their quarterback, starting quarterback Jalen Henderson, last night he began, who began the season as a third stringer, gets the start, and then after the first play, leaves the game with an injury, doesn't return. And uh, what I found sort of kind of most compelling was a, a feel-good moment in the second quarter when uh, Gunner Gundy, who's the son of OSU coach Mike Gundy, scores on a 10-yard touchdown run in what likely is the last play or the last game that he plays for his dad because guess what, Matt? Gunner Gundy is in the transfer portal. He's no looking way. for more playing time, and uh, he said, "Dad, adios. You're not you're not putting me in as much as I want to play. So goodbye." How, how do you think those uh, dinner table conversations how about dinner? are going? That's exactly what I was thinking about. I wonder what they were talking about over Thanksgiving turkey. Well, are you going to play him more? He's going to transfer. Our boy's moving to Oregon. You know, it's uh, that just isn't that perfect. As far as describing how far the portal can go, 
You know what? I think next you'll have coaches enter the transfer portal. What do you think about that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, who knows? Uh, I think I might want to enter the transfer portal from my children right now. But I'm happy. I'm kidding. Cool. They South, are. Did you see the very end, actually, after the game when South Alabama beat Eastern Michigan in the 68 Ventures Bowl? Did you see the cheap shot the Eastern Michigan player took on an absolute just stand? Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. That's Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. Hey, folks, this is... Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Well, we'll be increasing this afternoon across here. A few light rain showers may show up by late afternoon, especially over northwestern sections. They may mix in with some snow showers overnight. 48 today come high. 31 tonight, no significant accumulation expected. Mostly cloudy, a few light rain or snow showers for your Friday. Daytime high of 47. Again, no accumulation expected. I'm meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 48 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. And we are joined now by Chris Walsh. Bama Central Sports Illustrated Edition in Tuscaloosa. I think he's now handling Missouri as well. Today we're going to play a little game with Chris. Where is Chris? Uh, Lars and I were talking about it earlier. If you were in Birmingham, you could be in Columbia, Missouri. You could be in Pasadena. Do you mind telling us where is Waldo? Uh, I've been sitting at my desk in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and Lars and I know exactly where that is because that's where all the magic happens. That's what they say. I don't know who they is, but yeah, that's that that's what they say. And yeah, uh, did a little holiday trip last week and and took the kids up to uh, New York to see the city and some of the sites, and um, got back and still trying to recover from both the trip and Christmas. <laughs> Your kids are pretty young, aren't they? They're six and three now. 
You took them to New York. You it's have very oh my much gosh. courage, Chris. I, it seems like they were just born. I can't believe they're six and three. Yeah, I, know. I can't believe I, you I took them to thing. New York. Well, I, I have family that lives in New Jersey, and okay. um, we haven't been able to, we haven't been up to see them since um, uh, five years. Um, so it was like, okay, it's time. And my my sister has three kids who are all one's in medical school, one's one's graduated college, and is probably going to do something else uh, with uh, you know continue education, and then the the third one is is in college. And so it's like, we were like, you know what? They're all going to scatter really soon. So if we're going to go, we need to go uh, probably this year. So, And let me guess, um, your sister's younger than you, and your kids no. are six and three. Oh, okay. No, no. She's older than, than I am, and, and I make that I, – I, you know, I, I got to be the good younger brother and point that out. Hey, give us your view just overall – now, I don't want an overall view. We've been doing that for three weeks. Where is Michigan stronger than Alabama? Boy, is that a good question. Um, see, if you look at them statistically, you know, you have to say, well, you know, it's, they might be stronger in a couple of different areas. But the thing is, and this is something that always kills me, and and I don't understand why nobody else in college football seems to understand this outside of the SEC. The conferences are not equal, you know. Um, so when you look at the statistics for national, like total defense, something like that, are you going to tell me that Michigan faced the same quality opponents that Alabama did playing in the SEC? And the answer is no. Um, and so you can, you can sit there and look at the numbers and say. Oh well, so and so team is this, and so and team team is that. It's I, I'm sorry, it just it doesn't quite work that way. And you, you've really got to really break down the personnel and look at them and look at the matchups. And I, where is Michigan better than Alabama? I don't know. Um, maybe in terms of overall defense, uh, they might be, but. I mean, this is a good defense that Alabama has, too, and it has more speed. Uh, and I think that's going to be a big factor in this game. I think the pass rush, I like Alabama's pass rush a lot more than I like Michigan's. And I think Alabama's going to be able to put on a lot more pressure. But, you know, Michigan's got a game plan for that, obviously, and and try to take that away. So um, I still don't know how to answer that. Well, maybe that's because the answer is there isn't one. <laughs> I, I would well, say Michigan. I, how about Michigan's offensive line? I mean, do you think they're superior I, I, to Alabama's? I would have said that during the first half of the season, sure, but not now. Um, yeah. I, I think Alabama's offensive line has figured it out. It's bigger. It's it's it can do a lot more um, in terms of, of versatility, moving guys around. And I I just I look at the tackles versus the pass rushers for, for Michigan, and I'm just like, that's clear Alabama advantage. Um, yeah, midway through the season, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would not have said that. So, uh, I, I thought it was really telling that you know the Joe Moore Award when they announced the winner, it wasn't Michigan, it was Washington. Uh, you know, and Michigan uh, had all the hype and and so forth. Those guys really dig down and really study the film and 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 look at those. You know, who's doing what and so forth. Um, I think I think Alabama can can 
really apply pressure against this group. It's you know not going to be easy, and it's 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 still really good. But um, no, I don't think Michigan's offensive line is better now. In fact, I I think Alabama's going to be able to open up some holes um, on Michigan's defense defense with the run game. Yeah, I I agree. And conversely, I think people are overlooking the fact that uh, Alabama's defense held Georgia, which is one of the top rushing offenses in the country, to under 100 yards, under 90 yards, I think is like 87. Um, but, But Chris, like myself, you are not from the state of Alabama. And I think that, uh, that sort of gives you a good perspective. It's clear-eyed analysis and you're not swayed by the heart or by emotion when it comes to looking at matchups. And for me, I, I like to think I do that. For the life of me, I, I don't understand this line. I don't understand why, uh, 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 why Michigan is a point and a half favorite. When, in my view, I think Alabama wins by double digits, possibly even 17 to 21. And the fact that the, all the, the money in Vegas is going toward Michigan is just head scratching to me. Do you have a, an interpretation of that or, or, or am I missing something here? No, I mean, I'm not as, I'm not as far as, as, as you are. I mean, Michigan's a good team. It's a very solid team. You know, they, they, they they won all the games that they had to obviously and um you know it's it's they've got a couple of big wins and uh, you know you look at them and you know you look across the board you know hey that's a good quarterback hey that's you know that guy's good that guy's good and so forth um i <laughs> yeah I, I i'm a little surprised that alabama is in favor um i understand it but it doesn't it's you know it's this is one of those times I kind of sit there and go you know, it's it, like you a little bit. Am I missing something a little bit here? Um, and I think too many people are just, I, I don't want to say obsessed, um, but they're they are focused way too early on the early part of the season. You know, they're like, oh, well, Jalen Miller got benched. It's like, are you kidding me? That You know, three months ago, it's, it's you know, Nick Saban was, you know, trying to see, wanted to make sure he had the right quarterback in the right spot. And that's what you're, that's what you're focused on kind of thing. Um, yes, Alabama lost at home to Texas. We all knew, you know, this is going to be one of those seasons where they were going to get better as, as they went along. It was, it was, the, the question was, how much are they going to prove? Is it going to be enough to make the, the playoff? And it was, uh, you know, granted it was by a, a, a whisker, but they, they did it. Um, and I, you know, I, I'm like you in the respect of the Georgia win was going to be the most telling one in my mind. And I, you know, that was a solid Alabama win, and that was really impressive, and that shows me what they can do. And here's the thing that no one else is talking about. You're giving Nick Saban a month to prepare to face a team. Uh, have you looked up, you know, his record when he has that kind of time? Um, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it, let's just say it's re- usually really bad for the other team. Uh, they're going to be prepared. Um, they're going to be ready to go. I think this is a hungry team. Um, and, and, the other thing, the other factor that I keep kind of looking at with Michigan is Harbaugh. You know, uh, you know, once again, is is he going kind of thing? This time, I think he is. I, I think his I think his agent is definitely shopping him on the market. That's why that that report came out last week. 
about um, or over the weekend about um, you know the offer he has from Michigan. You know that was from a from an NFL reporter. It was Ian Rappaport. You know he used to cover Alabama, and I know Ian really really well. I can almost guarantee you he probably got that from from his agent. So he's the agent is saying to NFL teams, "Here's the bar, beat it." And you know somebody's probably going to. I think, and you know, you, you factor in the investigations and all the turmoil they've had. Yeah, I think he's gone after this game. I would agree. Um, Jalen Milrow, what a phenomenal story. And, and we've talked about it. We've embraced it. We've praised it. It's just been amazing. Just to refresh your memories, he got blown up by the Longhorns. And then whatever the situation was, he didn't play against South Florida. My question, I'm trying to get different spins here today, Chris. Have you, in your college football career of covering, have you seen a quarterback go from being benched to sixth in the Heisman voting? Uh, nobody nobody jumps to mind. Um, Lars, I'm mean, going here too. I, I can't think of one. No, I can't think of one either. But does this come down to his ability to run the football? It might. It definitely might. I mean, because it's almost impossible to defend, especially when it's someone of of his size and speed. And uh, you know, we've got a site a story on the on the site today. Apparently, Bill O'Brien told him that he shouldn't play quarterback, and it just only motivated him. Even more, and he's been really, really impressive. And this, you know, the thing was that you were hearing from the players, you know, even before all this, it really started to click was how much the players like playing for him. And I, I was really listening to that because you know, Saban's always big. You know, guys got to win over the team. Um, he really means that. It's it's he sits there and observes and he gets a feel for it. And then you know when he. You know, some people might say he might he might dabble a little bit too much and, and, and try too many things. And, you know, we've seen that a couple of times where he's given someone else a start, you know, starting job and it, and it hasn't gone very well um, for one game. Um, <laughs> so it's these guys were rallying around him and it was it was obvious. And, and then it started to really translate on the field and you could just see, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to remember which game it was, but, you know, I was one of those guys, I was kind of joking, you know, that's going to be the run, 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 and throw deep offense. And then all of a sudden you started seeing him hit those intermediate passes and, and, and the shorter passes. And they, they made an adjustment that, that really, really helped where it was like, look, you're, you're reading two things and you're throwing the ball. It's basically what it boiled down to. And, and it was, it was brilliant, you know, and, Things started coming together. The receiver started, you know, started stepping up. You, you didn't see as many drops, and and just all the way down the line. And this team just got better and better and better. And I'm really curious to see how much they've improved in the last month when we when we see them take the field against Michigan. Because I can pretty much guarantee you they're gonna it, they're gonna be even better probably than 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 what we saw during during the stretch. Okay, Chris. Can you uh, hang on for another break? Yeah. You can do one more segment. I appreciate it. promise we won't go deep. Thank you. You're listening to Chris Walsh (laughs) and also 
Big Noon Sports with Matt, Mars, Noah. Presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. The two winningest programs in college football history collide. Jada Lurk has got it wide open. 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. It's Saban versus Harbaugh. It's the Alabama Crimson Tide and the Michigan Wolverines in the college football playoff semifinal at the Rose Bowl. Our coverage starts at 1 this Monday on your home for Alabama football. Big Noon Sports, coming up. Our guest is Chris Walsh, and we thank him for his time. Hey, guys, I thought just a little bit of a spin, different spin, and I guess that's my word for the day. But I was just reading a story, and I want to credit the, the guy that wrote it. He's with the Montgomery Advertiser, Richard Silva. But 14 bowls are being allowed communication headsets quarterback to head coach or quarterback to sideline whatever the case may be um and one of them is the music city bowl which is auburn versus maryland this saturday at one well hugh freeze is not going to use it he didn't feel like he wanted to rush things wanted to get into it uh didn't he said he felt comfortable with peyton thorne being able to use it but just the overall scheme he just decided to pass he does know it's coming and he welcomes that. But the one thing that all the people that are following this, what's it really good for? It keeps you from getting hardballed. So I just wanted, I'll start with you, Chris. They do this in the NFL. Uh, they do even more in the USFL. Are you good with this? With, with adding headsets? Yeah. Yeah. With being yeah. able to communicate with the sideline. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm, I, I am because it's, you know, I'm one of those people, like, when I'm sitting there in the press box and I look down and they're holding up a giant sheet and I can't see something, <laughs> um, I get really annoyed. So from a fan-slash-reporter perspective, I'm all for it, the, just on that alone. Um, but obviously, you know, it's it's it, it's kind of interesting to me, and, and Alabama's getting thrown into this because, you know, the, the whole Michigan scandal... And we've even got a we've got a story on Bama Central today about how uh, they aren't even letting the players watch film individually. They have to do it in groups, uh, position groups, because they're that being that um, tight with with everything. Um, you know, this was a huge deal, um, and I don't think it's been talked about enough. And to this day, and it's like, well, Michigan's been penalized. No. I'm sorry. They were not penalized anywhere near enough. Um, personally, I don't think that they should be in the playoffs. They cheated. They got caught. And, and I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, they shouldn't be there. Um, you don't reward someone for cheating. So, And there's a little part of me that wonders if the committee was like, hey, we're going to have a little fun. We're going to give them Alabama. You know? They want to make sure. I, I think they don't want Michigan to win because there's going to be um, an asterisk. On, on this national championship if, if the Wolverines manage to pull it off. Um, so having said that and going back to your original question, uh, yeah, I think it's a good thing. Um, and it only makes sense. Uh, there's no, no reason not to do it at this point. And anything you can do to, um, you know, make sure it doesn't happen again. I mean, that it's, you're talking about, you know, the, the, 
it's such an unfair competitive advantage. It's it's you know it's you go back and you look at the at the the, the film stuff from the Michigan guys, and it was clear that the players knew what you know what was coming, and, and the and it was be you know the signal would come in on the other side. You see this, you know, you you'd see the reaction like like immediately. Um, yeah, it's 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 a sore spot with me. I'll just leave it at that. It is with me too, and uh, and and Matt. I mean, to me, the technology exists. We know it works, and it would eliminate the uh, opportunity for a coach like Jim Harbaugh to try to steal signs. So I implement it, uh, and I, but I can understand why Hugh Freeze doesn't want to use it because it's just uh, let's just <laughs> let's let's do what we have done all year Absolutely. rather than change it up at the last second. Right. Um, and also, I, I think the NCAA is going to drop the hammer on Harbaugh. I mean, Matt and I, we've, we've talked to guests who believe that Harbaugh could be suspended for the entire year, which is why Michigan is, because, <laughs> you know, if that's coming, Harbaugh is going to leave. Yeah. And, yeah. And that's what, and it, it, I mean, you, you just, you, you know, as a reporter, what do we do? We, we just, we take little bits of information and you put them all together and try to stitch together a narrative. And I think you, uh, you know, the fact that you mentioned how Ian Rappaport most likely got the information from the agent, you know, uh, it's <laughs> it, all signs point to Harbaugh leaving, as you said, Chris. Anyway, uh, let's look at this, uh, from Michigan's perspective. What is their path to victory against Alabama, Chris? Um, I think you know, keep the scoring down. I, it's for me, they got to figure out a way to stop them. Um, get well, not necessarily stop them. Get force force turnovers, and in order to do that, you got to pass rush. And I don't know how they're going to do. It. So it's, I think they're going to be they're going to have to blitz. They're going to have to really gamble a lot. Uh, they got to win the turnover battle. Um, you know, it's the, the best way to move the ball against Alabama is you gotta be, you gotta be patient. You gotta be steady. You gotta do, you know, short passes, take everything underneath, you know, be happy with the, you know, three, four yard runs. And, and Michigan can do that really well. I mean, that, that, that kind of fits in their wheelhouse a little bit, but, uh, it's, it's to me, it's, they gotta slow down Alabama's offense and, you know, it's how many times have we seen it with you know this offense this year? It's like they come out like a three and out, and then they score five touchdowns in a row. You know, <laughs> and and they've got to prevent that. That's the key to the whole game, in my mind. All right, before we let you go, are you going to Pasadena, or have you just got what? Knowing the way you staff events, how many people do you have going there? We have three people in Pasadena. We'd have more, except for it costs an arm and a leg. Um, to, to go to this thing. So, um, we've, and I, I'm pretty sure we have more reporters there than everyone else. So it's, it's, it's not unique to me, but if, if Alabama pulls us off, I definitely, I'm I'm going to the national championship. We're going to have seven writers there. I, um, I'm asking, it's bookkeeping, it's your business, but I'll pose the question anyway. What was it? What was the cost? What's a flight? Um, let's see here. We had to, I, okay. Normally when we have a good feel where, where someone's going, we try to jump up, jump on the flight, like the second they announce it. And I hesitated. 
So I want to make it clear that it, we probably could have got it cheaper. But we were trying to, it's, we had people in three different locations and I was trying to figure out the best way to try to get them together. And in a way I goofed, but we ended up flying through Nashville and it was just under a thousand dollars a person. Who's going? Uh, Katie Windham, Austin Hannon and, and Blake, uh, Byler are all there. Um, they all got there yesterday. It, it's, they're all Disney fans. You know, it's, oh, team's going to Disneyland. I got to be there. So, um, so they're all there. And then, uh, I'm probably going to write a column from afar. And, uh, we're going to have Joe Gaither with our helping out with our coverage that day. And then, um, yeah, I mean, we're taking everyone to the national championship. I mean, it's, it's, it's drivable distance. And I mean, it's in the SEC, uh, footprint, if you will. So. Uh, we're going to go and, and and have fun, and I mean, if if they can if they can pull this off, you know, Alabama is going to be going to be a clear favorite. I don't care who they're playing. Uh, Chris, you have uh, covered every Alabama team, I think, in the Saban era uh, mm-hmm. or close to it. Um, is this the most enjoyable team that you've been around? Just uh, because it's a it, a flawed team almost, you know, uh, there were games earlier in the season where we didn't know if they'd win by three touchdowns or lose by three touchdowns. And then as a, as a follow up to that, is it, is the question is, is it the most enjoyable team you've covered? Most likable team? Is this Nick Saban's best coaching job? Okay. Um, let me start with the first one is, um, uh, the the first part of that the uh in, from an enjoyable standpoint the way that they've grown has that in that respect yes um i am going to say no though in terms of uh, like the first teams we got to know the players better um and it it that's changed it's it's even tighter now than than ever um so for me, the 2009 team was probably the most fun because you had some some Shula holdovers, and I mean, I really know a, lo- a lot of those guys really well. Um, in addition to, um, you know, the guys that that Saban had brought in, and then things tightened up, you know, in terms of access and and so forth. So, for me, I'd probably say the 2009 team was was just the most enjoyable because it was the first to do it and. And I had a better relationship with those with those players. Um, is this Saban's best coaching job? It might be. Uh, it's it's been really impressive. Um, you know, and like you said, it, it, it was a flawed team. I mean, they had so many problems. I mean, how, how many points did they score against South Florida again? I mean, it was seventeen. I mean, I still go back to that game, and I'm just like, oh my goodness, you know. Uh, was but, that was that game the worst performance? by Alabama since Nick Saban's been here? Uh, maybe offensively. Um, not defensively. And defensively, they were fine. Um, and and uh, people, you know, people always forget about, you know, the, the defense in, the, in that respect. They kept them in that game. I mean, if, if the defense that doesn't play well, might have, we might, you know, we might be at, we might be done already, you know, probably play the Independence Bowl or something like that, you know. The, the place that Saban never wanted to go back to. Um who knows? <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's 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 been really fun, and and um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to going to Houston if they can win this. I think that's it's going to be uh, 
quite something to see because it's they can definitely do it, and I really like their chances. Chris, tell everybody where they can get information. Your three reporters out on the West Coast and all things Alabama, really. Yeah, um, Bama Central. We're your Sports Illustrated home for all things Crimson Tide. Like like you mentioned, we've got full coverage at the Rose Bowl. Uh, we've got more people there than than anyone else, I believe, and and. Uh, that it's been that way all season. We've had, I mean, we sent five people to South Florida, you know, and, and, um, we're, we're going to keep, keep on that trend as long as we can. Tell Joe Gaither, hey, for us. I will. I will. Joe's, Joe's doing great. He's, he desperately wanted to go to the Rose Bowl, but he's, he's all excited to go to Houston if they can win. Well, yeah, it would be, so, it would be so poetic if Alabama and Texas end up playing in the Natty. Uh, yeah. That it would be, so many storylines, so many storylines. Yeah, I think and that's you know, where we're headed. And and real quick, it's, it's here's something that people forget about with that Texas game. The head coach of Texas knew Alabama's offense probably better than the quarterback did. There was a big reason why why Texas won that game, and it's going to be very different this, this time around. Hey, who do you like in, in Texas, Washington? Real quick, I think you got to go Texas. Um, you know, I know Washington got got the Joe Moore Award, but I. I you know, but I didn't think they were going to beat Oregon in the in the, in the conference championship. So, who, you know, shows what I know about this team. They've they've kind of uh, um, overachieved in my mind. Chris Walsh, Bama Central Sports Illustrated for Alabama, and now uh, with Missouri. We'll get into that next year. That's when we'll talk next in 2024. Chris, thank you for your generous time. Yeah, thank actually you so doing much, do, doing Mississippi State now too. Oh, congrats. That's breaking news. Third, third site. So, um, cool. we're cool. just hired our first full time writer for, for that site, and that's going to be gearing up here, uh, next week. That office is going to get bigger. All right. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, guys. Bye. Any. Hey, when we get back, Lars, I've got a media question for you. We may have discussed it over a cold beer or on air, but I'm going to ask it again anyway. As you listen to Big Noon Sports, presented in part by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. Clouds will be increasing this afternoon across here. A few light rain showers may show up by late afternoon, especially over northwestern sections. They may mix in with some snow showers overnight. 48 today, Tom. High. 31 tonight, no significant accumulation expected. Mostly cloudy, a few light rain or snow showers for your Friday. Daytime high of 47. Again, no accumulation expected. I'm meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 48 degrees in Tuscaloosa. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. 
Hey, thanks to Bill Murray. I know he's sitting in for James Spann this week, but uh, he does a nice job. But uh, I was just very, very curious if you listened to that weather report and he emphasized no accumulation expected. If that weather forecast were delivered in Lincoln, Nebraska, would the grocery stores be packed to people getting eggs and bread? No, that is uh, that's like a page 35 story in the newspaper. <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, that, that's right along with uh, the sky is blue and the sun sets in the west. You know, is that's, it already snowed in, in, in Nebraska? Is there? Of course. Is, yeah. Of course. I mean, when I grew up, uh, growing up in Nebraska, uh, there was usually about three feet of snow on the ground right now. And I don't think there's any snow on the ground right now. But, yeah, it, uh, actually a big uh, – I think Nebraska's got dumped on, got about uh, a, a, a four, 14 inches. And nobody blinks. Man. It's just different because, look, Nebraska does – they have the, the infrastructure in place to deal with stuff like that. Uh, and, and we you don't. don't you, you don't have that here no. in the south because it's so rare. And, uh, you know, just the other day, uh, after it had been raining, I was driving on my Tahoe up a hill and the, the tires were slipping. And I was just, and that's so why I started thinking about this. <laughs> I think about weird things, man. Um, why is it that just because there's a little bit of moisture, on the street, why aren't my tires gripping? Well, I have arrived at the conclusion, and I've talked to actually people who know this stuff, that there, there's more like rock in the asphalt that they lay down in the Midwest and places where they get snow and moisture than it is in uh, in, in the South. Why? Because it's, it's cheaper not to do that. So, therefore, uh, when you don't have uh, the, the the kind of pavement that's going to give you the grip that catches the tire, you're going to have a tire slip. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> like, it, it does. And if, if you know that for a fact, then that's the way the roads are built. But I, I would counter with a couple of observations. First of all... Are there any hills in Lincoln to, you know, actually prove this theory? Because I, last time I was in Nebraska, you could see from one end of the state to the other. Okay. No, I, no, I was, no, no but, you're right. No, it, it is as flat as an ironing board. But and, the other uh, deal. No, I, I was in Vestavia going up a uh, gay way. And, and, and uh, it's, a, it's really steep. And there are a lot very, of steep, steep roads. That'd be fun on a sled, wouldn't it? No, the man, other reason. You could fly down that on uh, a sled. Uh, that'd be You'd be hitting some speed now. But the other thing is, is when it first starts raining, the rain gets to the surface of the pavement, the asphalt, and it immediately mixes with all the oil and gunk that's come off all the cars. So in the the rain's infancy, the streets are really slick because of that. But when it rains harder and harder, it washes all that away. And, and when it's warmer, doesn't that, if there's rain on top, does the rain cause, and it, the reason you and I know so much about this is because NASCAR, right? I spent Absolutely. 20 years covering NASCAR. You've spent uh, 40 years covering NASCAR. And, 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 and NASCAR, it, it's all about grip. 
you need your tires to grip the 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 the, the, the track, right? In order to generate same thing speed. applies. Yeah, and so if it's a warmer outside and there's rain, doesn't that cause the rain almost to like pull up the oil and yeah. other things that are That's embedded in the asphalt? Yeah, you know, when, when somebody like Larry McReynolds tells you that, then you believe it, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> I mean, those guys know every single condition for every single weather. But, all right. Uh, hey, man, we got to go. We got and, one and frankly, more I don't day. think people pay enough attention to, to how important tires are to your car. Yeah. You've got to have good uh, tires that grip the, the pavement. Man, I got a nail in mine coming back from uh, Florida. And fortunately, you know, if you're running the nails in the tire, you can get to where you're going. But once you stop, air's coming out. All right, I have to ask you a question. I think with the limited amount of time we have, it's going to be a yes or no. When you're covering a team, like say if you went to the Alabama, you went to the Rose Bowl, you're not really going to pull for a team. But doesn't it make it easier when the team you're writing about does win? No, I like writing about the losing team. There's more lessons to be learned from losing than winning. I always gravitate toward the, the losing team. So that's why you're pulling for Michigan. <laughs> I have no dog in the fight. I'm pulling. Actually, I, I prefer if Alabama wins because it gives us more to talk about. And also, hey, Alabama's victories are good for business if you're in the, in the sports business uh, in the state of Alabama. It's good for Nick. It's good for Mick. We got to go. Back in 22.